these texts and the days that we're living in, we can see a lot of similarities. People want to compromise the Word of God, compromise what it means being a follower of Christ to where it's more pleasant to those who don't know the Lord, those who are unregenerate, those who don't know our God. But God is holy, and He is true. Again, as I have usually each time, I have difficulty giving a name, uh, a title uh, to the passage. I had three or four, but I've knocked it down to two, so y'all pick whichever one you like. Um, Called this, Are You Giving Honor? To God's name in your worship. The other one, uh, you find that in verse 2, because the priests were not giving honor to the Lord's name. And the other title, um, How Would God Rate Your Worship? Not how do you feel about your worship, how, which, what do you believe looking at Scripture? How would God rate my worship? Is it a facade or is it real? I pray that we look to Him, look to His ways, and let Him manifest Himself and let our worship be real. Not just that facade, not just this thing that we do but it's real. Let us pray before we begin. Master, your word has given us time and time again pictures of those who have stood strong, stood faithful, and those who have not. And those that have not have been perfectly our motivation to stay true that will be pleasing to you, that we will honor your holy name, that this is not just uh, an exercise in futility, just some things that we do, but we're coming before the holy creator of all the universe, accepted through the blood of Christ to give honor to your holy name. Please teach us. Open our eyes, open our ears, and change us. To your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. It's been a long time, and I don't know where or who uh, was saying it, but people were talking about being a Christian. And they were asked, what does that mean? Well, I'm a Christian. Uh, I go to church. The preacher preaches, we sing some songs, and we go home. That's it. Is that what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Just this exercise, oh, we go to church, the preacher preaches, and then we go home. Our lives are not being changed 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not looking to be conformed more to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. It's not just this facade. It is a life that has been radically transformed and redeemed because we all were the enemies of a holy God, because we have offended Him with our actions. It's only by His grace that we're allowed to come into His presence and to adore Him, to honor Him, and to sing His praises, and to see His Word and to understand His Word, and that our lives be conformed more into His likeness. Again, looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, He walked this earth, the same earth that we are on, and as far as Hebrews tells us, He was tempted in every way that you and I are, yet without sin. Perfectly. Not just His external actions, but even the actions that are unseen in his cranium. What happens in your mind? How pleasing is what goes on in your mind? Is it to the Lord? Jesus didn't even sin in thought. And we don't know what that's like. As I've said before, you put me in traffic in Nashville. I'm going to have some ugly thoughts, sadly. But by the grace of God, Jesus was tempted in every way we are, but he did not compromise. And he was always pleasing to the Father. This, Malachi wrote this telling Israel because they were drifting away, drifting away. And he was talking to the populace. As he was saying earlier in chapter 1, he says, How I have loved you. And then the people are like, How have you loved us? How, how have you really loved us? What, what difference uh, have you made with us? He says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. I chose Jacob and his descendants. And he has blessed the children of Jacob. The children of Esau, his inheritance he reserved for the jackals. It's like it's it's nothing wonderful or great. But over and over, and the people are like, how have you loved us? And just like as we are today, the world comes in and tries to have us to compromise. The priests apparently here were doing a lot of compromising. When, as he says in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, And now, this commandment is to you, O priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take, take it to heart, to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse on, upon you, and I will curse your blessings, and indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart.
as in our culture today in 2023, so many are not taking it to heart. This thing called Christianity is just, well, it's just some things that we do external, but it doesn't get a hold of us deep down inside. We don't take it to heart. But he says, you better take it to heart. He's telling the priest there, this is a serious thing. Because we have a holy God that we have, by His grace, are serving. That we are looking to bring Him the honor and the praise. You can go back in looking in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, where that whole chapter gives blessings and curses from verse 30 to like verse 14. Huge blessings. I will bless you coming in, going out. This, this, this. I will bless, I will bless. But if you fail to keep my commandments and hold my statutes, then I will send a curse. And he described the curses from verse 16 to just over to 68. It's a short list. It's a horrible list of how God takes his worship very seriously. It's nothing to be uh, played with because by, by nature, none of us have the right to come before him. But through the blood of Christ, we have the privilege of coming and being accepted in him. We are now have them privileged to come before a holy and righteous God and to be pleasing to Him as we obey. Not just putting on this facade. He says, if you don't take it to heart, I'm going to curse your blessings. He says, in fact, I already have cursed your blessings. He's cursing their prosperity. He's like... You're not taking it to heart. You're not honoring me. So I'm cursing that prosperity that you have. Because it's not, it's not being done for my namesake. It's more uh, self-serving. He says in verse 3, Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring. And I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you'll be taken away with it. The refuse, the, uh, the mess of the sacrifices that would be taken, collected, and moved outside the camp and be burned outside the camp. And he says, you, you're going to do this, and I'm going to spread refuse across your face. And then you'll be taken away with it to be out, outside the camp, outside of my place of blessing, and it will be consumed with fire. This is not this joke that you're trying to uh, perpetuate and to pass on. But it's serious. One of the unique things, if you look, he says, the refuse of your feasts. 
The feasts were not being given in honor of a holy God. The sacrifices that were given were done just to uh, maintain their status or something. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it wasn't for the name, the holy name of God, because his name was not being honored. These feasts were just a demonstration of them. It was for their glory, not for God's. You're taking this away. I'm going to rub that refuse all over your face. And you'll be taken out with the refuse, which is taken outside the gate, outside the camp, and destroyed. He's trying to remind the priest this isn't just a, uh, I want to use the term, but I'll use a, a little dog and pony show. We just do this and then you're okay. No, this is something much more. Much like coming and saying that I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you? Are you following him? Are you, are you delighting in him and in his goodness? Are you reflecting his truth? Are we looking to be more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Conforming more into his image and less of our own naturally. That God had mercy on each one. Yes, I love the word grace because she snuck in on me. I uh, didn't know she was going to come, but our daughter's here. But grace, unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. The grace of God is nothing that you have earned, nothing that oh, we can boast about. See, I did this, which in days past, Men would say, look, if I can do it, you can too. Some of the uh, evangelistic uh, pushes uh, in different circles and times say, oh, look, if I can do it, so can you. You just have to do this. And never was the conversation talking about repent of your rebellion of a holy God. Because this grace is that unmerited favor that he had mercy on some pathetic people. I use the phrase, I think I've shared this. I uh, use it in a message that when God saved your sorry, miserable hide, and the gentleman was leaving, he said, No, preacher, I wasn't as bad as you. I said, You weren't. No, I wasn't as bad as you. I said, okay, I'm glad. But I'm quite confident that your rebellion may have manifested itself in a different way than mine did, but you were just as obnoxious in the nostrils of a holy God as I was. And as we were shaking hands, he jerked that hand back and walked out. I'm like, it's only by his grace. His unmerited favor. It's not that, oh, I'm just not that bad. We would never, we would have said that there was no hope for Saul of Tarsus 
that we call Paul, who wrote, the Lord used to write much of the New Testament. He'd be like a, uh, someone who was part of the uh, group called ISIS uh, and now is a follower of Jesus. He was not a lover of Christ, nor a lover of the people of God. And he was looking to do what he could to stop it. God's grace. This is a real thing. And that we rejoice at his kindness. That because of that kindness, we can have hope. It's not because of any good that I've done, no good that you have done, but surely for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that He has done this for His name's sake, honoring the Lord. He continues uh, speaking to the priests who, um, again, in our culture today, I know uh, pastors talked about being in India and how the lives of the believers were in India. I've not been in India, probably close, been in Nepal and some other places. What other, what Christians go through, whether in Russia and in Romania, how most of them had been put in prison. Why? Not because they broke any law, but because they were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't a game. In America, we know how to play the game called church. We have a, popula- pop- pop- a population who are able to speak Christianese, but they don't know Him. We don't need to encourage people to speak Christianese if they're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking to see Him manifested and glorified in our lives. The priests were doing this, uh, again, the dog and pony show, don't do the motions, it make it look good. But deep down inside, they were not following. And it, he comes in in verse 3, he says, Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread the refuse on your faces. The refuse of your feasts. And you'll be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this message, this commandment to you. That my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. This isn't a game. Being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is real. We don't need to make sure, well, well, the world would like us better if we do this. We can, we've heard so many things from popular, quote, Christian movements or uh, evangelists and uh, preachers that are not in line with the, with the Bible. But yet the population loves them. They say wonderful things about them. Why? Because it's not biblical. Because they are still of the world. He says, if you're still of the world, the world will love you. He says, but he's called us out of the world. So 
So we're not looking to just pacify the population around us, but to be to, to please the one who has redeemed ourselves. Because God has had mercy on us. Unmerited mercy. So let our lives live, be lived in such a way that God will be pleased. And the world around us may say, well, I don't know. I don't agree with that, but they clearly believed what they said. They lived it out, even to the end. We see how he's going to rebuke his offspring, the the priest's offspring. God rebuked the offspring of Eli because Eli would not. He did not. Even though his sons were acting very wickedly, Eli didn't say a thing. I said, really, don't do that, guys. And just continued on. And see, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29 where God dealt with them because Eli, their father, did not chastise for their wicked actions. The sons died and Eli also died. Following the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a fad, not just a neat thing is a life is a life that is made real in scripture made real through the power of the Holy Spirit that we rejoice at his kindness we want to honor him and bring his name honor not shame As he was talking about, he was going to spread the refuse of their sacrifices. Not the sacrifices and the festivals and the feasts. They were done, supposed to be done, to the honor of God. But God says, you're doing this in your feast. These aren't my feasts. Because they're done for their glory and their honor. People have different ideas and thoughts. I think this is good. Doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what I think. What does God say? Why do you why why do you go to Southside Baptist Church? Why do you go to any church? Why not go over here? Why not go over there? People try to make good arguments that are not really good at all. Even uh, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, when she started to perceive that uh, Jesus was kind of a prophet, uh, after he says, uh, why don't you go get your husband? He said, I don't have one. 
It says, you say the truth. No, and the one that you have now is not your husband. So I perceive you're a prophet. Well, a little bit more than that. But he said in John chapter 4, verse 20, excuse me, 29. He says, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ. Is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. In the meanwhile, the disciples uh, were requesting him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples, therefore, were saying to him, saying to one another, No one gave him food, anything to eat, did he? Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Earlier in verse 20 of that same chapter, it says, Our fathers... The Samaritan woman said, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people say, In Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You shall worship. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship him, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We can have this show for others to see, to say, look how good I am. But what we're looking to do is to be pleasing to the Father. Is He pleased with our worship? We're not gathering to please ourselves. We're coming. Is He, how real is He? He's really real. He is real and he's holy and he's coming back. So let that be our motivation and uh, to seek to be pleasing to him. That this worship is not just this facade of things, external exercises that we do, but things that are who we are. And I've said... Years ago, I hope no one in this room ever goes to church again. Yeah, and I got the same, some of the similar looks, like, what? 
Don't go to church again. Start being the church. Carry the message with you. Carry the gospel with you. Proclaim the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. That salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. And that unless, any, unless people don't repent of their rebellion against the Holy God, they will be condemned. Be the church. Don't just go to church. Be the church. That God will be honored and that God will be pleased. It's been the same temptation to pull away and to drift away and not make a, make a big deal out of it. Compromise a little bit. Compromising here is not that bad, but it gets worse. Just like in land navigation, if you're trying to get to, from point A to point B and you're only one degree off, from me to the back of uh, the sanctuary, it's not off very much. But when you go from here, three states away, that's quite a distance. That's so much further than what you expected. People would just compromise a little here, a little there. Back in the day when Israel was coming out of Egypt, coming in to the Promised Land, there was a, temp, uh, a festival in Moab that the Israelites were invited to come to to worship their gods. And many went. Even some of the priests, they all went. It's like, well, everybody's doing it. Nobody. Well, I'm not going to be standing out. So they went. And you can look in Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 and 2, talking about how the feasts of the Moabites were there and inviting Israel to come with them and to worship their gods. But in verses 11 through 13, as they were weeping, as Israel had turned away and going after other gods, they were, Moses and, and the people were weeping before the Lord, before the tent of meeting, and saying, God, have mercy. And then this man brought this Moabite woman into the camp as they were weeping. They're saying, this is not right. We're, we're to be, be exclusively yours. But yet, they're not following him. Thank God for Phinehas. Phinehas grabbed a spear and ran them down and stuck them both through with a spear. And God said that his wrath was satisfied. He pacified the wrath of a holy God because 
He was jealous with a godly jealousy for God's name. It may look weird in the population if we're going to stand and stay true to the word of God. But after Phinehas did this, the grandson of Aaron, God says, my covenant of peace will be on him and his descendants forever. Let his peace rest upon us through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we rejoice at his goodness because of what he has done. Because we all stood to be condemned. We all stood to be as the Israelite man and that Moabite woman, as they were run through with the spear. We deserve more, worse than that. We deserve the wrath of God. That the gospel tells us that we are condemned outside of Christ. And that because the love of God, that He sent His only begotten Son, that He would bear our penalty upon us. And having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendering our lives to Him, that God would be pleased. And the wrath of God, instead of being a child of wrath, will be a child of promise. looking to see Him glorified and pleased. Back in the verses there in uh, Malachi, He says, But as for you, you have turned aside from the way you have caused many to stumble by the instruction by the instruction, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I also have made you, a, you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are sowing partiality in instruction. In Romans Chapter 2, verse 24, he says, the, Gentile, or the Gentiles blaspheme the name of our God because of you. Because of our actions, is the unbelieving world blaspheming the name of our holy God because of us? Are we looking to bring him honor or just bring the honor to ourselves? And this morning, I tried to scribble it down real quickly. With Romans chapter 2, verse 24, where the Gentiles blaspheme the name of our God because of us. The pastor used... Uh, Titus 2, 5. To be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that 
the word of God may not be dishonored. Is our lives being lived out in such a way that is dishonoring the word of God? Let our lives be used to bring honor and glory to him. I know the struggles that each one is going through. But I know the grace of the Lord is ready to be demonstrated to be sufficient. That He is holy, He is pure. He's been tempted in every way, every way that we have, yet without sin. Let's honor that name. Not be as the priests in the days of Malachi where they did not bring honor to his name. Let's bring honor to his name. Let's adore him and thank him. The world is getting to be a crazy place. But it's been crazy for a while. It's just getting crazier. Which gives us a great opportunity to show ourselves if we're followers of the King that we're not like them. We were, but Christ came and redeemed us. Now we're followers of the King. Let's bring him honor. Let's pray. Master, you know us. Whether our worship is true, whether our worship is just a facade, um, Lord, I pray that you are honored and that you are pleased that we look to you and are just overwhelmed at your grace. And thankful. Help us to bring honor to your name. That name that is above all names. Thank you for the king. Glorify yourself with us. Let the world know that you are king and you're coming back. May they repent. For your name's sake and for your glory we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.